I am Rami. And I'm Shannon. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or learned to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. Rami, what are we talking about this week? I thought it would be nice if we talked about uh, advice for public speaking. Ooh. I saw a like Twitter... What, I don't know what those are called when it's like a bunch of successive tweets. There's I don't know. I'm not a tweet act, I'm not stream. Active on I have no idea. The last time I was uh, active on Twitter was when the Love is Blind live finale was not live at the time. And I was using Twitter to understand why. <laughs> Otherwise. I'm oh, you were like going Twitter. for like up to the minute updates. Yes. From Netflix of it. like what's happening. Why is this not currently live? I totally digress. I need Please. Nick Lachey and his wife. Vanessa. Vanessa Lachey to explain to me why they're not in front of me. Yeah, I needed the live reunion. I totally they host the digress. show. Yeah. I saw them at Disneyland the other day. And people were like freaking out. And I was like, why are they freaking out about them? And then my sister was like, they're like hosting a show. People are like super into it. I was like, oh, oh I was like pop culture. That lady <laughs> is like on CSI Hawaii or something. And he's like, is she done? Oh, I don't even know. I don't know. Okay. Advice for public speaking. I think this is good advice. Um, I wanted to go through it. Shannon and I will give you our pieces of favorite advice. We'll tell you if we agree or disagree with with the list of advice. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, like, we all have moments. Most of us will have moments in our careers where we have to give a presentation, where we have to speak in front of our team or a group. And it's not the easiest thing. I think people get more comfortable with it over time, um, but it can still be a struggle. And so it's always helpful to have some some tips and tricks on how to be most effective when you're doing that. Yeah. This is a great topic. Um, I'm like, how the hell have we done this many episodes? We've never talked about this. I know, right? That's why I was like, this could be good. <laughs> okay. So let me go through theirs and then maybe we'll hold on each one and we'll talk through how we feel about it. Sounds good. All right. So the person said, um, a year ago, a non-academic friend listened to a talk that I gave. I thought it went great. My friend disagreed. She said that academics are experts at making interesting stuff boring oh, ouch. and that we should all take a speech class. Yes. Ouch. So I did. And here are the six most useful things I learned. Okay. So here's the first one. Speaking, practice speaking in your natural voice. So the moment academics step in front of an audience, they haven't put on a speaker voice. I spent eight weeks practicing my natural voice, pauses, rhythm, speed, emphasis, and loudness. It was fun and taught me to speak more dynamically. And I think about even if you're not an academic, I think you put on a, a voice when you go to speak in front of people. And that's not to say you shouldn't enunciate and speak clearly. Like you should do those things, but you still don't want to lose like your own voice. Do you think we do this when we podcast? This is how I sound all the time. People are like, you have a velvet voice, Rami, and you have a face for podcasting. Uh, you should, you should definitely use that. Okay. I was going to say, I mean, from, I feel like you use your natural voice when we podcast. I feel like I use my natural voice when I podcast. Do you do you feel like I use my natural voice podcast? I do. Okay. Yes. Okay. Check. Great. So step one, I think we are okay for now. <laughs> and you guys should work on that if you don't feel like you're doing that. Okay. I think the big thing is like when other people who know you hear you talking, it's weird if it's like in a different voice tone 
than how you normally speak because you're presenting to a group. Okay, second one, Uh, break up your talk. Why is it that we say no to a three-hour movie but say yes to binging six 30-minute episodes? Mm. Because episodes break things up in a much more digestible way. So he said each episode that you talk through should give people a brief break for questions and then leave them wanting more. Mm. So if you're going to do a series of talks or you're going to present things to your group and it's going to be over a few weeks... Like, think of it as, like, a TV show and how do you get the point across? Um, Leave them wanting more and then leave space for them to ask questions to keep them um, connected throughout. I'm struggling to think about, like, how this would be actualized. Like, is there a time frame where we would say, if your talk is more than this long, then you need to give a break? I think it's that 30-minute Right? Like, if it's going from 30 to 40, maybe you're okay. But if it's, like, you've got 60 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, like, maybe you break it up into three three chunks, and it's, like, 20, 20, 20. And then you leave space for questions or something. I think it's just think about all the content that you have to get through, and is there a way to chunk it to not lose people because you've had to talk about one thing for 45 minutes. Yep. Okay. Uh, The third one is don't cram in material. If you cram in too much, you'll exhaust your audience. We have to remind ourselves that most people don't care as much about the details as we do. And even if they do, hopefully they'll ask. Um, And then you can have a great Q&A session. So I think that's fair. And it's like, you can send a lot of that to the appendix if it's like a really dense thing that you want to make sure that people see, but don't get too in the weeds. And hopefully if you, if you sell it well enough, people will want you to dig into it more and ask you like, Oh, so you're saying that thing, like, how does that actually work? And then you can say, okay, cool. Like, let me explain that. Let me swing to my appendix slide. And then we can talk through this thing. Um, but otherwise let's keep it in the appendix. Uh, this one I thought really, uh, I think the next one is my favorite, but this one's really interesting is researching the setting. So find out what the room will look like and visualize that when you practice. So this is easier for us when we think about, oh, I'm presenting my team. I know what our space looks like, or I'm going to be on zoom and I know what my room and space looks like. So I can practice that. Um, and you can actually tailor it to increase relevance if it's like a specific space, and you know that you want to talk about that one. Uh, yeah. Can we like pause on this one yeah. a little bit? Because I think this one's really important. I know this one's really important to me and it's made a big difference. Not just from the physical visualization of the space. Though I have had, um, I'll do workshops for corporations. And I have had corporations tell me like, this is what makes you different. <laughs> because I, re- I do pre-surveys as well Ooh. on the audience to make sure that I understand like, what do these people actually really care about? The people that, act, that are actually going to be in the room. Not like these, well, we think mm-hmm. that this business resource group cares about this, but like, no, 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 no. Like, the people that are showing up that day, what do they actually want to get out of this? And I think it really can make a huge difference in how well the content is received if you're tailoring it. So research the setting, both in people, but also in locale. And it's really saved me. Um, I'm thinking about a corporate presentation that I did where we had like a contingency plan 
and we had to do the contingency plan because what um, there was like a weird, awkward, like I couldn't present the slides on my end. And so my contingency plan was like, I had a contingency plan for that because it's happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well then someone on your end is going to have to do the driving and I'll tell you next slide. You know, it's like little details like that of like, how do you be prepared in advance, both in knowing your audience, but also knowing um, the tech side of like, or the room in this case, as the example was. Okay, so we'll add in contingency plans and know that you'll definitely have to use them. Yeah, yeah. I've had that experience more than once, like plan for things to go wrong because something will go wrong. <laughs> I like that because I think the hardest part with speaking is like not getting thrown off. And if you plan to get thrown off, then at least you're ready for it and it isn't as like foreign. But if you're not planning for it and then it happens, like I've seen people get completely derailed. Yep. So I like that plan, plan to be thrown off. I like that. Okay. Uh, This one I really like. Uh, End early. People complain when talks go long, but not when they go short. So if you plan to end early, you'll be less likely to go long. And ending early makes it feel like time flew by and then gives more space and time for Q&A and discussion. Um, I've never been to a meeting or a person talking where they've ended early and people have been like, uh, we didn't, I wish I could have been in there for 10 more minutes. Like, it's always like, Oh, this was great. Like, I think it's one of those things where like, you even have like a positive outlook on that experience more because it went quicker. Now I'm not saying like, if you're planned for an hour, go 10 minutes, like you should go 30 to 40, maybe 50 minutes. But the idea of ending early, I think is, is kind of an interesting one. Yeah, that's been my experience. I feel the same way when people cancel meetings, by the way. I'm like, very rarely does it ever bother me. I'm like, yay, more time in my day. And I imagine ending early is a similar concept of like, yay, we got some time back. Hooray. This one I think is really interesting, this last one. And it it makes sense if you have a Q&A section at the end. And I feel like I'm just going to read it and stop talking about it. Um, prepare two conclusion statements. So... Academic talks often end with a Q&A, but this can mean that the last thing your audience hears is a subpar question or an awkward no more questions. So you can ensure that things end on a high note if you prep a post Q&A conclusion. I love this. This reminds me of the Art of Gathering book that we read um, because they talk about ending gatherings well. And how oftentimes we end on logistical notes, like, so remember to fill out that survey mm-hmm. or remember, da, da, da. but it's like, then you lose the momentum. Like, that's literally like the final thing that people are going to remember you for. And after I read that book, The Art of Gathering, which I'll look up what episode that was if people want to go back to it, um, that really changed my perspective on it. It was episode 167. And I see that as really related. Episode 167. Go back and take a listen if you're curious to learn more. So that's it. That's our uh, advice for public speaking. So uh, we'd love for you guys to connect with us on Instagram, LinkedIn. Let us know what your piece of advice is for public speaking. I'm surprised that neither of us said, imagine the audience with their clothes on. Because that's always been my favorite piece of public speaking advice. Oh my gosh, that's just ridiculous. You just got to imagine them with their clothes on. I think it's good. Okay, here's the other thing that I'm curious about really quick, just between us. What's the one thing that you want to get better at of this list? 
I I I'll go. I know for I can go first if you need yes, time to think. Go. Um, I I for sure need to work on don't cram in material. I do this with podcast episodes that we record. I do this in real life. I'm just like constantly like wanting to add value, and so I'll just like add way too much into a single talk. I think for me, it's that double conclusion statement. Like, how do you end on the right note? Yeah. I love it. Okay. You were saying connect with us on social media. Let us know your piece of uh, public speaking advice. And um, with that, I've been Rami. And I've been Shannon. And this has been Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs.